Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. For me, every message is built on the preceding message. Uh, every message is, a, is an ongoing, uh, if you will, kind of like building blocks. And I feel like the Lord has spoke to me through this year about how he is wanting to break through our limiting belief systems and our faulty belief systems, those systems that keep us from connecting to all that he is, those systems that keep us divided from one another, those systems that work opposed to his promises. And so for me, every message kind of builds upon that theme and how, how the traumas and experiences of our life have hindered us from coming into the fullness and the, the quality of faith that he wants us to. And, and so I keep coming back to this portion of scripture that I'm going to read this morning, and I, I just keep falling back on it, and it's because he just keeps revealing things to me. So I'm going to return to Luke's Gospel, the fifth chapter, about 11 verses here. Uh, post-resurrection, I am always just, just enthralled with the contrast between St. Peter and St. Paul. And so I'm going to do that again this morning. I'm going to talk about St. Peter and then kind of pull into Paul. Uh, why don't you stand with me for the reading of the gospel? It, I, I was raised where you stood up. I was raised in a deeply southern Pentecostal church. And we stood up, and, and sometimes if the pastor got through the reading, he would preach, and sometimes he didn't. Uh, I'll, try to, I'll try to keep it. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gesseret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen, say left there, who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Say, he just got in it. Look at your neighbor and say, he didn't ask, he just got in it. You ever had somebody just open the door and get in your car? Mm-hmm. In your garage. You ever just come out and look? In there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you said so, one translation says, nevertheless, I will let down the nets. And when he had done so, he caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come to them and said, help, say help. They weren't saying help, I'm sinking. They were saying help, it's too much. Man, how many of you just would like to say help, it's so much, I need. Hmm. And they came and filled the boat so full that then they began to sink, to sink with a blessing. Hmm. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. Look at somebody and say, You ready? Be astonished. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for men. So they pulled their boats onto shore and left everything and followed him. King of kings, Lord of lords, Father almighty, the God of heaven and earth, the bright and morning star, the lily of the valley, 
my healer, my baptizer. We come to you in the name of Jesus, the living God. And we ask this morning that you would bow down into this room. We ask this morning that, Father, you'd open our eyes and our hearts to hear from you. That we would leave here changed. That we would leave here, Father, encouraged. That, Father God, all that you are would be released in all that we are. I ask it in the name of Jesus and all the believers in the room said, Amen. you may be seated. I just want you to know there are no limits in Jesus. If you're in Christ, there's no way you can be limited. I've been preaching for a long, long time. I've seen all kinds of people come to the Lord, watched them come into the altars. And yet it still astonishes me how people can come into the reality of knowing Jesus as Savior and never quite get into the abundant life of God. Just can kind of fall short of that and become frustrated. Uh, I mean, they're converted, but they're not, you know... And in my opinion, I would say that their inner conversations are always short-circuiting uh, the will of God in their lives. They're just not all of it quite brought together. You see, our belief system has to continue to grow. Our faith in God has to continue to mature. You can't just get saved or come to Christ over here in 1962 and not think that God's going to continue to teach and guide and develop and bring your faith into something more than what it was when you began. It's a journey. It's a process. And quite frankly, I'm always finding myself going, oh, Lord, help my unbelief. Because when people say they believe in God, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're walking or receiving everything that God has for us. Most of the time we have been taught that you have to earn it in order to have it. And yet in God, it's all free. It's received by faith and by grace. It's not anything that you can do for yourself or accomplish on your own. But there are a lot of these unbelief systems, these just kind of caveats, if you will, out of doctrine and experience and culture that keep us from walking into things that he has. You, you can believe in healing and never truly walk in a divine health way, probably because of shame or conviction. Some of it is, is because some people think I deserve this or I can't get out of it. These ideas and these thoughts, these contradictions and conflicts, these controversies that are down on the inside of us that, that we're generally unaware of. It's interesting to me that those conflicting thoughts and faulty belief systems, they don't come with a warning label. I mean, they're not, there's not a red light going boom, 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 this is faulty. You know, we, we, we just kind of live unaware of those things that are in there that aren't really of God. And, and they cancel out most of the time, the, the um, opportunities or the blessings. I, I watch people all the time and the very thing they're praying for, they're working opposite to. Praying for something, praying for heaven in their home and they're releasing hell out of their mouth. Praying for their daughter to come home, but they keep pushing her away. Many times, the very thing we're asking God to do is hindered by those uh, belief systems that just aren't cooperating. They're contradictory, if you will, to the will of God. And, and, and that always leaves us with a lack of confidence and courage, a lack of comfort. Fear is, you know, toxic. It contradicts our faith. 
living in those lingering emotions that limit our energy to walk in all that God has for us. Have you ever, have you ever been around people that are more comfortable in conflict? They just kind of like drama. They're exhausting, right? Uh, and, and what's interesting to me is you kind of help them fix the drama, and within 45 minutes, they got another drama. <laughs> Because they're more comfortable being in the drama than they are being, you know, they pray for better. And then when better comes, they don't like the way it tastes. They, they want to go back and eat the onions in Egypt rather than the manna from heaven. So they're always self-sabotaging those things that God has for them because they're just more comfortable in being in that thing. You know, they get more attention if they're, uh, those limiting belief systems that get conjured up in our minds those invisible things that we just don't see coming but they frustrate our faith and when faith gets frustrated we get disappointed and we get depressed or or indifferent i'm not sure now which is worse to be depressed or just be indifferent i think there's a lot of people just indifferent you know they don't yeah i could or i couldn't just a quick squirrel here have you ever been near the seashore where they catch crabs it was, I'm from Kansas, so I'd never been. And they had this bucket, I was in North Carolina, and had this bucket, and they were throwing these crabs in this bucket, and they didn't have a lid on the, you ever, anybody ever seen this? They don't have a lid on that bucket. And I said, how do you keep them in there? He goes, you put two. Yep. <laughs> said, you put one crab in there, that crab will get out, but you put two crabs in there, about the time one of them gets out, the other crab will reach down and pull him back. I'm just saying, if you're living with crabby people, you've got a problem. <laughs> They'll always reach out. They, they don't want you to get any higher than they are. So who you hang with can determine whether or not you ever get out of the... You, God might be trying to work a breakthrough in your life, but there's a crab just reaching up and pulling you back. Just reading up, never mind. The culture, the environment in which we live in can determine a lot of times whether or not we're able to break through those things. And it gets passed down. I'm sorry, but it gets just passed down to us from me, mom, and papa. It gets, you know, it, don't even know why we're afraid of the water, but we're afraid of the water. We're, we don't know why we're afraid of the dark, but we're afraid of the dark. We don't, we don't even know. You know, it's like, if you're in my house, we don't because she told me we couldn't. But when we got married... You didn't get that at all, did you? We, we, when I grew up, we always had black-eyed peas on New Year's Day. Anybody come from where I come from? We had black-eyed peas. It was bad luck if you didn't get black-eyed peas on New Year's Day. And we were married, and I said, hey, where's the black-eyed peas? She said, what are you talking about? And I said, you have to have black-eyed peas on New Year's or it's bad luck. She said, who told you that? I don't know. <laughs> well, well, if you don't know who told you that, why do you do it? And I said, well, well we did it. Yeah, yeah. Some of you do stuff and you don't know why you do it, but your people did it. <laughs> and your people can hand you stuff that you don't know why you do it, but you can develop these belief systems because some crab pulling you back or because it was passed down to you and they've got controversies. Right. We have to allow our belief to mature. And it's not about the, the quantity of your faith. If I just had more faith, that's not true. Because a mustard seed of faith will move a mountain. Amen. So it's not, it's not the how much of it you have, but it's the quality Amen. of the faith. It's whether or not it's authentic, it's pure, or whether it's laced with these un, 
belief systems. And, and I think when Jesus comes into your life, he'll disturb what you think you know. I just think Jesus is disturbing. Really, I do. That's why most people never make room for the real presence of God. They, 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 they domesticate Jesus in church. And so it's do, 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 do. And he's domesticated because if he ever gets loose, they'll accuse you of being drunk. Uh, listen, God shows up and he stays too long, shakes too hard, and he shouts too loud. Uh, read the book. He's always disturbing. And so when Jesus breaks onto the scene, he just walks into Peter's life and gets in the boat. I mean, he just walks in, opens the side, just steps in and sits down. And can I tell you that my experience with God is he doesn't wait a lot for invitations. I turn around and there he is. I'm on the way to work. I'm on the way to the store. I really haven't got time with this. I need to argue with Ann. And he just comes into the middle of our lives and sits down. I mean, it didn't like he's knocking to ask. He just, I hear all these people all the time, he's knocking at the door. I don't know about you. He opened the door and came into my world. He ain't standing outside knocking. He just, he's sitting there. You've been ignoring him, but he's been sitting there. He just comes in and he sits down. And as he sits down, he begins to disturb Peter's life because he's going to take Peter from a belief system of Jew, Jewish into a different belief system. And, and listen, we've all grown in our appreciation for food. I mean, now I go to Dylan's and I don't, I don't just go pick up a tomato. I go over to the whole food section. I go to the, what's the other name? A ta farm to table. I want, you know, the, 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 I, I, when they say whole food, I'm trying to think, well, do they have a half a one? I mean, now we want it grown. We want it organically grown, Right. Well, how else did they grow it? Did you get it? Can I, it's all organic. But now we only want that beef if it's fed by that, not by this. And, you know, so we, we have matured in our appreciation for stuff that is authentic and pure and healthy for us. And yet we're still believing stuff that we believed in 1952. And it wasn't too cool then. And it really ain't cool now. We have to allow our belief system to grow and to understand the authenticity of it. And Jesus come in and simply sits down in our lives and begins to challenge what we think about God. And he looks at Peter and goes, can we just go out a little ways? Just a, a little. I'm reading this book called Atomic Habits. Anybody else reading that book? And just make little changes. It's interesting to me how people, particularly with their faith, they don't even want to make a little change. Could we maybe believe that them Catholics might be good people? I mean, do we have to send all of them to hell? I mean, could we just make a little adjustment about what we think about them Presbyterians or, you know, them Pentecostals? Just make me open our mind. Just, listen, I've been in the country the last four or five years. Can you understand nobody's given anything? We're over here and you're over there. And could we just a little bit maybe believe that maybe they're not all demons? Notice how quiet it gets. I can play with the Catholics, but I can't play with politics. Just a little bit. <laughs> Just little changes. Can I just tell you, I'm, I used to teach, could you not tarry an hour? Could you pray an hour a day? Today I go, can I get three minutes? Just a little, just, 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 
just a little bit. Jesus come and sit down in your life and said, let's make a little changes in your belief system. Let's just alter a little bit about what you think about me. And if he can get this little bit, he'll go, can I go a little deeper? Would you go a little deep? Aren't you tired of people that think shallow? I get in these conversations all the time, Kent, and, and we're talking about what we believe, what we don't believe, and I'll ask about two questions. And when I get to the third question, they'll go, oh, I don't care what's in the Bible. It's the way I believe it. Okay. Most people cannot even understand why they believe what they believe. It's just what they believe and they don't care what he, how many of you know that if you're going to get the best of God, you might need to go a little deeper than ah, just what I think. Because what you think sometimes is kind of shallow. I'm being real nice this morning. I got to go a little deeper, he says to Peter. He said, Peter, we're, we're going to try to dig some stuff out of this thing, and you're going to have to get out of that shallow thinking. And I love what Peter says. The old translation says, nevertheless, or eh, because you said it. Can, can, can I just suggest to you that my way of saying it in the 21st century is something like this? Would you say that again? Would you repeat that? Sometimes we dismiss things we hear in the spirit and we need just to stop for a minute and say, could you say that again? I think the Lord many times is talking to us about what he wants to do in our lives, but we don't stop long enough to go, what? How many of you know he repeats himself to you? Over and over again. Nevertheless, at thy word. Maybe we ought to go back and just talk about the tithe. Maybe, no, that was earlier. Move on. <laughs> Maybe I'd talk about that forgiveness thing. Maybe I'd talk about that love your neighbor thing. Maybe I'd talk about how, how oh, well. You just can, 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 nevertheless, at your word, I know what I'm doing here, Lord. I caught fish all my life. I am a fisherman. I am, listen, I got the union card. I know what I'm doing, but okay. Maybe it would help us if we'd just go, well, okay. That let's, we'll try it your way, Lord. Maybe we'll try not cussing at her. Maybe we'll just... Hmm. You see, I actually believe that from the very beginning of Christ's engagement with humanity, he began to breadcrumb us into thinking differently. He just sits down. Can I have a little? Can I go a little deeper? Here, let me give you a word. And he breadcrumbs us into this challenging of the way we think. He breadcrumbs us into this reality that if I can just get one man to break through, it'll be a catalyst for a whole... Isn't it interesting how he breadcrumbs Peter, but all the rest of them come as well? Isn't it interesting how your belief system or limiting belief system can have an effect on other people? How maybe if God's moving you into something... Now, this is disturbing, right? It's disturbing in no short order because it worked. It's disturbing because all of a sudden I'm pulling in a catch of fish and it's, you know, when you get blessed, it's disturbing. I've recently come into a little bit of blessing and every time I enjoy a little of it, I have to kind of pinch myself because I'm thinking, this is really mine. Have you never had that? Have you ever, oh, come on. How many of you ever got to buy a really nice pair of shoes and every time you put them on, you think, wow. Or I'm horrible about it. When I first was able to buy a nice pair, Charles is the only person. No, you did. Charles this morning looked at me and go, nice shoes. And it's funny because those of us that, listen, I used to get two pair of shoes a year. 
And in the summertime, about this time of year, grandmother would take and cut the toe out of the tennis shoes. And those are what I wear. They's what we call flip-flops is when you outgrew the tennis shoes that you got last August to go to school. And then when March, April came, your foot had grown. So we cut the, you know, they had those little plastic toes, which everybody now pays thousands of dollars for Converse. We paid $9 for, we didn't pay $9. And, and though, Maybe if you had some of that, then when you're able to buy something new, you go, Jesus, thank you. And when I first was able to start wearing a little nicer shoe, I'd leave them in the closet because I didn't want them to get dirty. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to be blessed. It's actually disturbing when God begins to bless you. And he begins to pull in that catch and he falls and he says, I'm a sinner. I don't even deserve this. That's how I feel a lot of times. I don't even deserve this. And if you stay with that very long, you'll let go of it. Because I know we don't deserve it and yet he's given it to us. We don't deserve to be happy and yet it's right there. He's altering our belief systems. He's showing us how to move beyond, continues to change Peter. I mean, he gets to the cross. He said, Peter, Satan's desire to sift you is sweet, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And even in the midst of his failure, God reveals his love to him. And yet the boy goes back to the boat. God is continually developing Peter's faith and removing faulty belief systems and replacing them with the truth. And that's the beginning of the reaction or if you will, how God interacts with humanity as he bursts this church. I believe God is always opening doors for us. Amen. Always bringing opportunities to us. Always offering us things to break through into another dimension. I believe he's always bringing us right there and then just kind of easily kind of bringing us there. And yet these subconscious belief systems often keep us from being able to understand all that God has for us. Jesus steps into humanity and goes, I am the door. I want you to walk through me. Because if you'll walk through me, there is so much abundance when you walk through me into this other world. And yet it's hard for us to step through the Christ into this abundance that he has for us. And the Apostle Paul picks up on this. Peter reveals it, and the Apostle Paul picks up on how God offers us breakthrough offers us these opportunities. I've been preaching this for three, four months now, and God is still trying to say, hey, I'm, I'm offering you a breakthrough. I'm, I'm offering an opportunity for you to let go of those belief systems that have hindered you so that you can step into all that God has for you. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, this unbelievable character who was murdering Christians and God stopped him and revealed the glory to them. And then he writes two-thirds of the New Testament. This man who was left for dead 19, 20 times. This man who started 14 churches, was the greatest missionary ever. This man had to deal with letting go of belief systems that was hindering him. 
you got your Bible, if they've got it on the screen, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 through 9. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me. Say with me, a great door, a great opportunity. But there are many adversaries. How many know that every time God gives you an open door, every time God offers to break through something, there is an adversary there trying to keep you from getting into what God has for you? I have people all the time say, Pastor, why is God letting this happen to me? And I want to say, have you found the door? Anytime all hell begins to break through in your life, it's because there's an adversary trying to keep you from moving into what God has opened for you. When I look around the world and hear the news and all that's going on, I'm going, oh my God, what is he doing? Anytime that you see all that stuff resisting, God must have opened a door for humanity for something greater than we've ever imagined. There must be something about to happen, something that God's doing so his gospel will go through. Many are the adversaries of the enemy, according to Psalm 34, but God has delivered them out. Wow. So let's keep reading. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and Corinth is his favorite church. Corinth is stationed in a port city. Corinth is very important. And, and Paul, you have two letters. He actually wrote four. There, Paul is very entangled with the church of Corinth, and he writes them in his second letter, verse 10, and he says, if you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sakes. He said, listen, I just forgive all you lot. I just forgive everybody. In order that Satan might not outwit us, can I tell you that if you hold on to unforgiveness, God, did you get it? Satan can outwit people who live in unforgiveness. For we are not unaware of his schemes. When I came to the city of Troas to preach the good news of Christ, the Lord opened a door of opportunity for me. Say he opened a door. Hmm. But I had no peace of mind. Because my brother Titus had not yet arrived with a report from you. So I said goodbye. Say goodbye to the door. He said goodbye to the opportunity. He said goodbye to the breakthrough. He said goodbye to the blessing. Because he was troubled in his mind. This Paul is just a great guy. I mean, he had helped plant that church in Corinth, but Corinth was filled with all kinds of sexual immoralities. It was filled with all kinds of crazy sinners. It was filled with just all kinds of stupid stuff going on. And listen, I have people all the time say, I'd come to your church, but there's these people that go there. And I say, we make room. <laughs> We make room for crazy. Uh, and and, and he, all kinds of stuff going on there. And Paul got pretty irritated with him and finally said, just, I'm done. And then he can, writes back and says, I forgive you. You forgive me. We forgive everybody because what God has for us to do is far more important than us being. Just, Paul loved these people. He, he loved what was going on. And they had finally said, we reject you as our apostle. We don't want anything to do with you. They had hurt him. Did you know nobody can hurt you unless you love them? He has this real interesting relationship with Corinth. And yet he begins to forgive them because if he doesn't forgive them, he'll be unable to move into all that God has for him. See, the opportunities, the doors before us are greater than the offenses that we hold on to. And the very first thing we have to do if we're going to clear our minds of these limiting belief systems is just forgive everybody. Just forgive everything. 
because the door that's in front of me requires me not to carry any of this baggage with me. Look at that verse again, though. When I came to the city of Troas to preach the good news of the Christ, the Lord opened a door. You didn't open the door. You didn't put yourself here. God put you in your life. He gave you that job. He gave you that marriage. He gave you this opportunity. He said, the Lord put me there, but I had no peace of mind. John on the Isle of Patmos would say, God opens doors no man can shut. He shuts doors no man can open. Can I tell you, the devil cannot shut the door that God's opened. But your troubled mind can. The enemy cannot shut down the opportunities. The enemy cannot keep you from breaking through. The devil has no power to stop God from blessing you. But your troubled mind can delay or limit what God wants to do in you. Here is Paul. And he said, I got an open door. There's Paul that's a church planner of all times, right? Two-thirds of the New Testament got an open door to go save Troas. But he says goodbye to it because he has a troubled mind. Jesus had already told us, in this world you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer. Listen, there's no way to live an untroubled life, but you got to be able to recognize the opportunities that are in front of you, even though your mind is troubled. And you don't want to be troubled about something. Have you ever been with somebody and they were there, but their mind was over there? Or maybe have you ever been anywhere and you knew, but, you're, you, but you were thinking about what she said, he said, they did. Has it ever robbed you of your ability to be good at something because you weren't thinking about what you were doing, but you were thinking of that kind of belief system will limit you because Paul was worried about these people that were back in Corinth. He was worried because they had actually rejected him and he had been frustrated, but he wrote to them and said, I forgive you. But he still was worried about it. So he sent Titus back to Corinth to go, How, are you okay? Are we okay? Am I okay? You're okay. And when he gets to Troas, Titus isn't there, so he doesn't have a report back from the mess that he left. Have you ever sent somebody a text and they didn't respond? Listen, if I, if I send somebody a text and they don't respond in 5, 10, 15, or, listen, you don't want to call Heather and think she's going to call you back. It ain't happening. <laughs> don't take it personal. She doesn't answer our calls. It, it ain't no big deal. <laughs> but I ain't lying. Uh, but text message, if I don't get a text back, my mind will go nuts. Maybe they don't like me anymore. Come on, don't look at me like that. You do the same thing. If they don't text you back and you're going, what happened? Are we okay? Are we not okay? I mean, what did, come, come on. Have you ever said I love you in there's silence? Right? And he had sent, tight. they didn't have text messages. They didn't have Zoom calls. They didn't have email. They didn't even have the U.S. Postal Service. They had to write a letter, hand it to Mr. T. Mr. T had to go down to Corinth, wait for their response, and bring it back to him. And he said, I got in front of an open door. I was ready to break through into what God had for me, but I was worried about a text message that I didn't get. Have I got your attention yet? The devil cannot shut the door. If God before you, Paul will later write. But this Paul didn't know that. 
This Paul will later write, if God be for you, no one. But this Paul, in this part of his journey, didn't know that. This Paul was worried, troubled, not at peace. His faith had not yet developed to forgetting those things that are behind. I reach forward to those things. That are. See, God will change your belief system. He'll mature you and grow you. That's why people that got it all together bother me. <laughs> Have you ever seen somebody and they thought they had it all together? And they knew that, right? That certaintude of faith bothers me because at 63, I'm still changing what I believe. I said, I can't come to this church. If he hadn't got it all together, who are we going to trust? Well, not me. I can give you some names of some folks in town, and they think they got it all together, but can I tell you a secret? They troubled. <laughs> the truth is, is that we all have to continually be disturbed and troubled by the situations that come before us. If we didn't, we wouldn't be human. He was troubled because the text message hadn't arrived. And so he didn't walk through that open door. He missed that breakthrough. He missed, now let me fast forward. He's going to come back here and he's going to get through it. But, but the point is, is that the trouble in your mind can delay the promise that God would give to you right now. And you'll end up walking around for 40 years when you could have gone through it in 11 days. Just saying, 11 days in a desert is better than 40 years. <laughs> I got to be careful here. See, I have set before you an open door that no man can shut. Though you have little strength and have kept my word and have not denied me, you have little strength. I mean, John's on the Isle of Patmos. He said, no man can shut it because it's not up to you. It's not up to them. It's up to me. I have opened that door. I'm going to walk you through this. No matter how long you've struggled with that addiction, God still opened the door to give you a way out. No matter how long you've struggled in that marriage, no matter how long you've struggled with that depression, I don't care. It doesn't really matter. God is able to move you further than you've ever thought. I don't care if the church told you no miracles were ever going to happen. They lied. They stopped believing and trusting in God back down here in about the 15th century and have not allowed that thing to continue to move. And there are many people in my country, in my state, in my city today that believe that all the power of God has ceased, and that's not true. Amen. And it hinders people. And not only is it not true, he did it for you. He didn't just do it for some, he did it for all of us. Well, but pastor, I know, yeah, I do too, but that doesn't mean it's not true. You see, there's all kinds of these toxic belief systems, these faulty systems, and they keep us from recognizing and realizing it because we're just a little troubled. Because my brother hadn't got here, and I didn't have a text message. I wonder how many great things we're missing because we're just troubled in our mind. I just wonder how many things we're worried about. How many... Hmm. 1986, I... Annie didn't marry a preacher. She didn't marry a, She married a, a kid that was a, a, a carpenter. She married a kid that was supposed to take over the family business. And in 1986, I, I begin to talk about how I think God's called me into the ministry. And Annie's looking at me like, 
somebody with two ears growing out the top of their head. And uh, uh, yesterday we celebrated the life of a woman that behind Annie is the most consistent voice in my life. And I, I remember driving over to mom's apartment and, and we were talking to her and we had these three little kids and I was talking to her. I said, mom, I'm trying to figure out if it's God's will for me to go to Hutchins. I'm trying to figure out if it's God's will. I'll never forget this lady. She looked at me and she goes, I don't know if it's God's will. I said, I, I don't know. She said, but, I'll, but what I do know is what lies ahead of you is more important than what lies behind you. Man, that was good advice from this little lady in 1986. And I have never, ever forgotten it. And can I tell you something through the years? There'll always be somebody in your life that has got you stirred up and worried about what. I've pastored here 36 years. And can I tell you, time after time again, God had opened a door for me to do ministry around the world or someplace. There'd always be people going, no, you pastor here. Listen, I love Corinth. I love Hutchinson. But, but the whole world is my parish. Every person in the world is important. And I've been faithful to Corinth. I've been faithful to Hutchinson. And yet if God opened the door for me to go talk to that guy that somebody doesn't even think knows Jesus, I'd go talk to him. Many of you, God has opened doors of breakthrough, but because of what somebody said to you, you're so troubled that you're missing an opportunity. I'm trying to tell you as your pastor in May of 2022, don't miss the opportunities that God has given to you today because of what someone else or somebody else or something else has got you to believe and it's not true. God wants to take you into new levels and new dimensions. He wants to do miracles in your life that you have yet to even imagine. That's why I'm so excited when we sing, all I want is Jesus. I can't, I can't figure out why everybody isn't jumping on their chair and swinging from the chandelier. If I thought it'd help you, I'd hang the chandelier. Because <laughs> I am still pumped about the open doors Okay. <laughs> I, want you, uh, I want you to fast forward with me four or five chapters later. In the seventh chapter of 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, and oh, sorry, so here, if, if I had a map, here's Troas, here's Macedonia, and here's Corinth. And, and when Paul said goodbye to the people of Troas, he went to Macedonia because he was troubled. Now listen to this. For when we came to Macedonia, this body of ours had no real rest. We were harassed on every turn, conflicts on the outside and fears within. I mean, he was troubled over here in his head, but when he backed up over here, he got the you-know-what beat out of him. Look at somebody say, don't back up. It's worse if you back up. But then look at the next verse. But God, but God, even though you backed up, but God somehow rerouted the text message through Titus who came into Macedonia who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort that you, he's writing to the Corinthians, had given to him. And he told us about your longing for me. You really do love me. About your deep sorrow and your ardent concern for me. 
He get word that, oh my God, we're okay. Well, you love me. And, you, and my joy was greater than it had ever been. Here's my corny message to you this morning. Titus is coming. And that very thing you've been worried about, that th very thing that's been troubling you, it's okay. It got solved while you were in Troas. It got solved a long time ago. You've been worrying about something, troubled about something that you never had to be troubled about because God had already taken care of it. So for some of you, I'm trying to say to you, Titus is coming. And Titus has news that will comfort you. Titus has news that will confirm to you that God is working on your behalf, always is. And you've been worried about something that wasn't ever going to happen. You've been worried about something, anticipating something, trouble in your mind. Did you understand the adversity that comes with opportunities are never the devil on the outside. It's just these little things he can drop in your head and get your head just spinning, 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 spinning. And it'll cause you to say goodbye to an opportunity and retreat into a war that'll kick you behind. And all the while, it's you doing it to yourself. Oh, nobody shouted, Jesus. I worked on that line. <laughs> Titus is coming. Joy is coming. There's doors open for you today. There's opportunities. There's breakthrough. For some of you, it's the ability to just say yes to Jesus. For some of you this morning, it's just the ability to let go and let God sit down in the boat and take over your life and just say, yes, come into my life, Jesus. Save me from myself. Fill me with, for some of you, it's just salvation. Just salvation, Quentin. I'm serious. The Bible says if you believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth, you're saved. For some of you, it's just you didn't think Jesus would ever give you a second chance or a 45th chance. And Jesus is standing right in front of you going, hey, come here. Come here. I want to bring you out of that and into this. For some of you this morning, we're going to pray and you're just going to step in. And for the others of you, you need to go back to Troas. The door is still open because no man can shut it. It's just been waiting on you to get back there and go on into it and take what belongs to you. Them grapes are still yours. Yeah. No one else can go through the door that got opened for you. No one else can go do what you can do. Oh, all the while when the world is fighting for turf and who does it? Listen, when he opens the door, it's my door. You ain't going through my door. That's my door. And he's kept it open for me. He's just held the door for me. And all I got to do is get back up, go back over and go in. Oh, 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 look at your other neighbor and say, it's never too late. The old man was 99. It, he was never too late. Some of you go, what old man? Come back. <laughs> this is a moment, a time, a season of breakthroughs, of miracles. You, you, you do not want to let the trouble going on in Russia you do not want to let the lingering, oh, there's another virus coming. Oh, good God. <laughs> Can I tell you, there's always going to be another report to trouble you. <laughs> Somebody asked me, did you see on Facebook? No, I didn't. Face what? <laughs> no. Did you know who bought Twitter? No. Twitter who? 
kidding me? I wouldn't let a tweet trouble me. <laughs> I have to be careful. Yeah, that's hard to say. A treat troubled me. <laughs> Do you get any of this? The way he began to reveal himself in the world with Peter and brought his belief system along is the way that Paul began to grow in his belief system. And you can see where Paul was troubled, and then you see where Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. You can see this man as he grows in his faith and his belief system. And in, I actually believe that learning is more about unlearning than it is about information. Having to unlearn all those things. Peter and Paul showing us. That's why Peter would one day write, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is sent to try you as though some strange thing were happening to you. But rejoice, for to the extent that you partake in the sufferings of Christ, that when his glory is revealed, you would also be glad with exceeding joy. Can I tell you, suffering is what goes on in my head. Suffering is not what goes on out here. I suffer in my head for the people I love. I suffer in my head for relationships that I don't want to have messed up. It's what goes up here that creates suffering. And he says, even in the midst of that trouble, I want you to walk through the doors that I have for you. Because it's not about what you're going through that matters. It's about who you will be because you went through. Listen, we all go through these troubles. Faith is about walking through them. And when you get through them, it's about what he did to you and who you are with him. Amen. Stand with me this morning. He's opened the door for you to come out of and into a relationship with him. And this morning, all you have to do to walk through that door is say, Lord, I believe. I believe you love me. I believe you forgave me. I believe you're with me. I believe you're maturing me and guiding me and causing me to grow and develop. So just say this with me, all of you. Lord, in Jesus' name, thank you for giving your life for me. Lord, I give my life to you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, Lord, I pray for these people this morning that as they walk through that door of salvation, that all that you have for them would be revealed to them. Hallelujah. The peace would begin to permeate their minds quiet stillness and the restfulness of God would take up presence in their minds and in their thoughts. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Lay your hand on somebody right next to you right there. Look them right in the eye and say, I know God's opening an opportunity for you. Walk through it. Just walk through it. 
jump over it. I'm telling you, you need to be passionate about it. Some of you right now, you know I'm talking to you. You know exactly what it is I'm talking about. Some of you need to go back a little bit because you, 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 you just walked away from it. You just need to go back to it and go through it. That's breakthrough. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time. Time.